wish to attract higher levels of good health, personal and interpersonal relationships, and a deeper connection with spirit, you've tuned in at the right time and to the right place. This is Awakened Hearts with Rebecca and Boyd Campbell. In our program, we'll provide intuitive readings, insight, and guidance to help you connect with spirit and experience more from life. Now, here are your hosts, Rebecca and Boyd Campbell. Welcome, everyone. We are thrilled that you have joined us here today. We are your hosts, Rebecca Campbell. And Boyd Campbell. And you are listening to Awakened Hearts on the 7th Wave channel of Voice America Talk Radio. You can contact us by email, hello at sundrahealing.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, connect with us on LinkedIn, add us on Google+, and of course, visit our website, sundrahealing.com. Today we have a special guest with us. Her name is Rebecca Hinsey. She is considered an expert in the field of mental health, specializing in family issues and emotional intelligence. She is the international best-selling author of Healing Your Family History, which is distributed worldwide and has been translated into eight different languages. Welcome, Rebecca. We are so excited to have you on the show today. Well, thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here, and I applaud you for your efforts and your radio program and all the wonderful teachings that you're sharing throughout the world. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we sure we sure enjoy it. We consider it a privilege to be able to do the show every week. I bet. So, <laughs> healing your family history. This is such a huge topic, I think. Uh, I think a lot of us feel like we struggle with, you know, the family that we've come from, the experiences that we've gone through. And uh, I don't even know where to start. I guess we can just maybe, well, maybe briefly, if you could share with us what led you into writing this book and this whole area of family history and, and the healing that takes place there. Absolutely, and you're right. This is such a big piece of the puzzle in self-help. It's one of the overlooked facets and people who are trying to heal heal issues, whether it has to do with a marital relationship challenge or uh, with raising children or even our finances. Often we, you know, go in and seek help or pick up a self-help book or reach out to a therapist for support and find ourselves coming to the core of our problem relating back to our family of origin and issues that we had have had there. And that's how this whole um, avenue of, of research started for me. I was in private practice for a while, and I kept seeing this pattern that even when people came in to work with me on family issues or, well, or on their personal, you know, marriage issues, that we would track it down to uh, the core, which would be a family of origin issue. And so that led me to do some research and study and figure out what's going on. And it seemed like the blocks that we tend to face in our daily lives, more than 70% of them come back to belief systems or what I call codes of rules that originate from our family of origin that we get kind of stuck following. 
you know, our pa- our parents pass along to us. If you kind of envision sort of like a little rule book, that's non-purposeful <laughs> teaching. Some of that comes through genetically through our genes, and some of it comes through the conversations we hear in our family. But some families teach things like, you know, um, you're not good enough, and you don't deserve to get your needs met, and you're not worth anything, or you have to achieve, you know, a certain measure of success in order to be valuable, or some simple ones for women. You know, I have to keep my house clean to be a good person, you know, or, you know, basic, um, simple day-to-day belief systems that we pick up from our experience in our family. Um, and again, it's not purposeful teaching, not necessarily the things that our, our family wrote out to us in a rule book and said, you have to live by this, but it's, it's a lot of it is what we assume. And then we carry those beliefs into our adult life and into our adult families. Um, and then sometimes they need to get challenged in order for us to be able to be well, you know. Um, so I think it is key. I think it's it's uh, it's an important um, area of study individually for all of us because we all come from a family, and we all you know come from imperfect families. In fact, I love the the definition of a dysfunctional family from uh, Dr. John Bradshaw. He said, uh, "Dysfunctional families, any family with more than one person in it." <laughs> Um, so that, <laughs> that's that's kind of all of us, you know. So we all have a reason to challenge our family beliefs, although most, you know, many of us come from great families who pass along uh, awesome traditions and we want to love and acknowledge that. You know, real healing kind of comes when we go in and challenge the pat- patterns that are dysfunctional and cause us problem and help us to leave our family with a more healthy legacy long term. Hmm. So is most of the stuff that we carry forward from our family, would you say is most of that, you know, kind of behavioral programming? And how much is genetic code? How how much are we born with the same way of being? Well, it's an interesting um, question that you ask, and I'm not sure that we really fully understand all the answers yet, but we do know that our thoughts turn to neurochemicals, to neuropeptides, and they store in our body, and that leaves the possibility that our thoughts and feelings do transfer genetically, and how that all happens, we don't know. We just uh, know that there is a genetic tendency towards similarities in in, uh, family members. So you may have, you know, a great-grandpa or grandma who never knew your child, you know, never even lived on the earth at the same time, and yet they have, you know, behavioral idiosyncrasies and personality traits that are so very, very similar. So we do recognize even from studies of twins who are separated at birth who grow up on different parts of the world with different family belief systems coming back together and having these, you know, um, unique similarities. And so we see the genetic factors being real. Um, we also know that much is, like I said, non-purposeful teaching. It's your observation. It's what you pick up and what you, um, the thoughts and feelings that are communicated in your home, because so much of what we communicate is nonverbal. In fact, up to 93% of what we communicate is nonverbal. So, you know, whatever our parents are thinking and feeling, we feel that, and we always seek to gain the approval of our parents. It's just a normal um, process we go through to be able to feel loved and accepted in our home environment so we can survive. So all children do that, you know. So whether our parents kind of, uh, non-verbally or verbally told us something or whether we inherited the idea or thought or feeling genetically. It's kind of a soup mix of um, of all of that. And then there's, of course, the individual differences in our own personality and how we interpret things. So all of that seems to make up, 
you know, how we look at, at our world, um, but that genetic family piece is such a big, fat chunk of the piece of the pie um, that when you get in and start to play with it, you really have some ability to make changes in your life. You know, the first step to change is really awareness, self-awareness. And self-awareness can be more than half the battle. And just by opening our eyes to family patterns that may have been unhealthy that we want to change um, can be the ticket to freedom to getting exactly what we want in our life. So I think it's something worthwhile. I will say, however, that I don't think it's necessary. A few important points on the subject that I, I teach and I think are necessary. One, you know, people often get this idea they can just disconnect from their family, disown their family and move on. And maybe they don't like their family. Maybe they don't like where they came from um, or they don't like the behaviors they saw in their family. So they think, I'll move away. You know, I won't stay in touch and then and that will help me. And in some cases, that's necessary when there's been patterns of abuse and, and there are toxic relationships that are destructive. Um, but truthfully, our families are part of us and we're part of them. And just cutting off a family doesn't leave us really cutting off a family because we are part of them and they are part of us even if we don't live near them. And so this kind of work is, um, I think, critical in situations like that. And I don't encourage, like, you know, hating or disowning or disliking your family. The path to healing is really about loving and embracing and coming to understand yourself and your family. Um, and, and lastly, I think it's important that we recognize there's so many good things about our families that sometimes if we spend all our time focusing on the, the, you know, the limited family beliefs that we want to change, we can, you know, sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they used to say, and miss all the good that are in our families. So it's not necessary to change all of your family patterns. In fact, um, often we can find that we have healing by just embracing the wonderful things about our family. But the times that we do want to change a family pattern are the times when we can't move forward in life, you know, because we can't love ourselves, we can't love others, or we can't fulfill our purpose. Um, then those limited family beliefs that we've inherited are crucial to our success, and those are definitely the ones that are worth taking the time to heal because they aren't in the past, they're in the present when they keep you from moving forward. I know I'm giving you a ton of information. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. We only got an hour to do it. So, to go good. With all that. <laughs> so in, in um, your title, you use the words family history rather than family. Are there suggestions that you can make in the book that can somehow change the past or simply change the course of the future? So your question is, can you change your past? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I believe you can um, in the sense that, you know, our past is really our perception in the now of the way we see the past. And so when we reframe the way we see the past, we have the opportunity to, to heal the way that we see the past. And that, in essence, does change the future for us. Um, there was a movie years ago with Bruce Willis. Um, I think it was called The Kid, and he has a chance as an adult to go back and see the child in him, and he, as an adult, you know, found himself kind of a disconnected man who was sort of hard in his heart, and um, when he was able to, to go back and see the boy inside of himself and understand the pain that he went through as a, you know, family breakup occurred and whatnot, and he was hurt. And he was able to love that little boy inside himself and see things differently and reframe how he felt about himself. 
then when he came back to present time, um, he found himself a more loving, connected soul. And I feel like that's why we heal our family history, you know, our family pains. And, and we want to be able to change the way we see the past so that we can change the way we see the future. You know, obviously we can't change the past as far as facts go. You know, someone passes away, we can't change that. We can't revive the dead. But we can change the way we feel about our, about the things that happen to us. And that does change our life, and it certainly does change the past. So, yes, I mm. think we can in that context. Hmm. That's a that's a great context to put it in. I think most of us think of the past as, as being over. But, uh, yeah, th- thank you for the description of it's the perspective that we're changing, and that yeah. absolutely would alter our course from this moment forward. Yeah. So <clears throat> you're talking about self-help in here and um, healing the past. What... Um, I guess, do you have us tools to help prevent it from repeating? I know people have a tendency to repeat their their past, I guess. Well, I look at family beliefs as sort of like, you know, a program in your computer, you know, that's running. You know, we, we have a lot of default settings in our computers and our phones and our technology. You know, things are just set to, when we pick, pick up a, an instrument of technology, things just kind of have their default and I think when we're looking at family issues, a lot of the settings, if you say in our body computer, become default programming. A lot of it's the way we respond, the way we think about life, and the way we perceive circumstances can just be set on that default family program. And mm-hmm. the way you change it is to be aware of it. You know, if I know that my settings in my phone are, are a certain way and I want to change them, I can just go into my settings and look around and find it and and make a change on that setting. And I believe that changing family patterns can be as simple as that. You know, if you've got a program in your family patterning where you can see generations and generations of people have had trouble getting their needs met and you identify, hey, I think we have all spent all these years believing we don't deserve to get our needs met, and that came, Mm -hmm. you know, from some trauma way back when, I think I want to change that setting, you know, and I'm just going to pull it up in my own body-mind and say, Let's change that to believing I deserve to get my needs met. And it's a little, you know, what happens in that process, sometimes it's as easy as just deciding you're going to change it. But when when you've been running years and years off a program that says I don't deserve to get my needs met, and yet for survival reasons you know you need to get your needs met, we get into some really interesting what I call games, you know, where we have coping mechanisms to sort of get around that, you know, and that coping mm-hmm. mechanism becomes a habit. So it's sort of like if I come back to my technology and I say I'm going to change this pattern and I realize it's just by the tip of a button I could switch it, you know, that's great if I'm willing to do that. But if I have a habit of always doing it through another route through my phone, you know, I may not take the time to change that setting. And that becomes um, a little bit more tricky when we're healing family issues because a lot of adults have spent years, you know, finding alternative ways to get their needs met. I'll give you an example of what I mean by that specifically. So in some families, they believe, you know, I'll see people believe that it's good to get, it's good to be sick, you know, and yet they spend all this money and time and, and energy to be well, but you see these families where there's a lot of chronic you know, sickness, but you can tell it's not just health-related that there's some belief um, system issues running along when you sit around and you kind of hear this sort of tone that 
you know, like if I'm the sickest person, I'm the best person. I'm, you know, I get to go see the the most the best doctors. I've got the worst case, whatever. You know, and I've I've seen this in families where people have wanted mm-hmm. to be well, and yet you sit around and you listen to their family, and they're all bragging sort of about how sick they all are and how they have the worst case of this and the worst case of that. And the reward for that, and this is not conscious awareness necessarily, but the reward for that is they get approval and love from their family and they get stroked and they get attention and they get love. And that's how they think they get their needs met, if you're following me, you know? Mm-hmm. So when, when you have a coping mechanism that's like that, then you may say, oh, I don't want to change my settings and have myself believe I deserve to be healthy and get my needs met, you know, in a different way because I might have to break out of my family pattern and then I may not be loved or accepted by my family. And that's a little bit more tricky to help people to understand that, you know, usually your sickness is costing you health and your health is costing you getting your needs met, you know, kind of helping to walk the brain through that sort of game that we, you know, coping game that, that's been played for all these generations, and it doesn't really work because it doesn't really get you what you want. And when all parts of us can make that shift, then we can kind of come back around to going back and, and just making it so simple as just changing the settings in our phone to say, hey, I'm going to get my needs met. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to create wealth in my life if that's what I want to do. I'm going to be free to love myself. And, you know, those are some of the thoughts we want to program in. Those are the healthy beliefs that create success, you know, that I'm lovable, I'm deserving, I'm good enough, you know, I can have it. Um, and those are, the, those are the real settings we want to put in there to replace um, what's been destructive. And, and I will say one of the things I'm most passionate about in my field and why I love to teach this so much is, you know, when two people marry and they have three children and those three children marry and have three children and that pattern continues for 12 generations, there's over 3 million people resulting from that original couple. And because we pass along these belief systems generation after generation, you can change a nation over time by changing your your default settings because it's not just about you. And that's what we forget when we're parents and we have children. It's not just about us because so much of what we communicate is not verbal and we do tend to pass those settings on right on to our children and then they do it for their children and it repeats and repeats and repeats changes up a bit generation and after generation based on experience and choices, but that baseline setting, you know, is going to flow on and on and on unless we decide to be conscious enough to get in there and make a change. And that's really the whole call Mm -hmm. to action of the book, Healing Your Family History, is let's wake up, let's make a change, let's love our families. We're not saying let's cut our ties from them, but let's turn the hearts of our children to their father's and the fathers to the children in spirit, and let's do some cleanup in our in our psychology, in our family, so that we can create more love and happiness and success in our life and in our world to come. Mm, that sounds amazing. As you were talking there, and you were um, using the analogies of the, the mind-body, almost like a computer, and it's it's almost like the, the actions and the stuff that you're passing on to your um, family is like a virus in some cases. Yeah, and it is. I mean, I think addiction is a virus, you know, Um, and addiction has many biological factors that go with it, but it certainly has many um, emotional thinking properties to it as well. And so we have to ask ourselves sometimes what comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know, 
Um, yeah. Are the biological factors driving this or the habits driving driving it? And there's some really good research now in, in the field of addiction that shows that so much of what happens with addiction um, relates back right back to what we're talking about here, and it's the home environment, it's the family beliefs, and that perhaps that actually might be what comes first, you know, um, mm-hmm. is, is what happens there and that that ends up driving the biology of it. You know, like I say, we don't know for sure, but what we do know is that it's all part of the same thing, um, that they are all factors that we need to look at to heal, and that this piece that I'm talking about, these limited family beliefs, are as big of a piece of the puzzle as any other. This is our perfect opportunity to go to a short break. So we will see everybody on the other side of two minutes. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Rebecca and Boyd have combined their years of experience to create a powerful and effective modality of healing. Each session is unique, tailored to your individual needs, and can be done in person or from any distance. Are you searching for your purpose, soul path, soulmate, or healing for mind, body, and spirit? Are you seeking relief from anxiety, depression, chronic illness, fatigue, or codependency? Book a healing session or receive a free email consultation today. Visit the services page at sundrahealing.com. Rebecca and Boyd have combined their years of experience and their twin flame connection to create powerful, transformational journeys through their classes, workshops, special events, and retreats. Join Rebecca and Boyd on your journey to deepen your connection with spirit and access divine intelligence. This allows healing, creates miracles, and manifests a life of joy and abundance in alignment with your highest good. Visit the classes page of sunderhealing.com and register today. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to Awakened Hearts. 
To call in and connect to Rebecca and Boyd Campbell on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to hello at sundrahealing.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with Rebecca Hensey today, and we are talking about healing your family history. And uh, Rebecca has a book about this. And just before we get back into the discussion, Rebecca, I I wanted to ask you if there's uh, any events or courses or anything that you'd like to share with our listeners that's coming up uh, that they might be able to take advantage of. Sure. Um, thank you for that. We have, uh, I, I run a, uh, in Emotions Mentor University and it's a series of certification courses through that program. And right now we have a three day certification program to teach someone how to be an emotions mentor, which includes, um, some in depth training on healing limiting beliefs, including all your family patterning. Um, issues. So that's emotionsmentor.com and the different courses that we have available are listed on that website. We even have an online course for healing your family history that's available there as well. So that's emotionsmentor.com. Wonderful. All right. So back to the book. You know, throughout the book, you talk about the tools uh, that you give in healing your family history. Uh, how how does our how does our mind come into play? You know, how does our subconscious play a role in what's happening and the unconscious? And could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, um, this is like the the secret to everything <laughs> is our unconscious mind. If you've probably all your listeners have seen by now the picture of the iceberg that pops up on self-help pages where you see the tip of the iceberg and then you see them this massive weight underneath that becomes the real, mm-hmm. you know, guiding force. And most of the information that guides our life is in our subconscious mind. And it is true that we're sort of, you know, thinking in our head that we're in control and getting this, you know, idea that we can just tell ourselves what's up and, and drive <laughs> and drive this thing around. But really, the power of what's happening is underneath in our subconscious and the, with these belief systems and the associated feelings and emotions that kind of come with them. So um, if you want to make changes, you really have to do what we call become conscious, which is the, the, this new sort of age of self-help has brought is the idea that we need to become more aware. And, um, and that's, you know, really what creates this powerful change. Um, I love Dr. Harville Hendricks has an example that I love in one of his books where he talks about the stars in the sky. It's a great analogy. He says, you know, if I, if I go down into downtown LA and look up at night at the stars, I'm going to probably hardly see any because of smog and I'm, and I'm there with the city lights. But if I go out up into the mountains, I'll see so many more stars just because those distractions are removed. And then when I look through a telescope at NASA, you know, I can see billions of stars in the sky and the number of the stars in the sky doesn't change. It's just the perception that changes. And that's what becoming conscious does. It's becoming aware of all the stars in our own sky, all the, all the parts of ourselves and all the things that we think. Now, I'm not meaning that we're 
you know, have multiple personalities or anything like that, but we have, you know, we've had different ages and stages of our life that are all those thoughts, feelings, and programming um, is still within us and all this family patterning, it's all within us and these are all stars in our individual sky that can be addressed if we know they're there, but we don't have any power if we don't know what's going on and that's the beauty and the power of becoming conscious. Usually people are afraid, you know, to know what's going on inside themselves because they feel like they're out of control, but that's such an illusion because they're really out of control when they don't know. The power um, and the strength comes from self-awareness and that's what this um, book, Healing Your Family History, and my programs through emotionsmentor.com are meant to do is to, in a healthy and safe way, bring people to greater self-awareness so that they, they have more power to create powerful personal change in their own lives and, and be happy and create what it is that they want and to leave that healthier legacy for their families in the future. Mm, yeah, and that's so important. I honestly believe this type of work is how we really change our world. You know, we um, recognize there's so much going on, so much turmoil, and we want to make changes. And changes really begin, as uh, Gandhi said, you know, we we must be the change we wish to see in the world. It comes from our own self-discovery and personal change. And then by approaching our lives that way, then we have the power at that point to begin to influence all those around us. And the more influence we have, the more opportunity we have to guide our world into a better place. Nice. See, you talk about um, family faults, traditions, um, or illusions. Um, Can you um, share some of what these are with us? Sure. Um, one that I write about in the book and one that the, your listeners may be interested in has to do with wealth management and money. I had a client years ago who wanted to receive a promotion in his job and recognized after several attempts to move up in his career that he was hitting a ceiling, but the ceiling wasn't about his work as we so tend to want to blame others. His ceiling was really inside <laughs> himself and he wisely recognized that. And came in and said, let's, let's work on this. Let's figure out where this is coming from. Well, I had had the chance to do a few sessions with him, and I felt like we were getting somewhere. And then I had an unusual opportunity to attend a dinner party where he actually had a couple of family members present. And it was a social environment, and I happened to wander past a table where his mother and grandmother and aunt were visiting and eating. And I listened in. I was not inappropriately eavesdropping. I was, you know, standing around as part of the the social group nearby. And I heard them talking about this man in this very negative way where I would have just thought this man, just based off the things they were saying, was really kind of a lazy, you know, no for good guy. And But the, the irony was I knew who the person was, so I knew that wasn't true. So that perked my interest a little bit more, like, what is the judgment that's going on here um, in this conversation? And what this all had to do with was money. It was uh, the man was a doctor. He only worked a few days a week. They saw him as being lazy, that he... It was bad. You know, you definitely picked up the judgment that, oh, he only works a few days a week. He has all this money, you know, as if he was irresponsible with his wealth and blah, blah, blah. 
and, you know, you're feeling the kind of yucky, oh, I don't like him feeling. Um, and yet this, uh, they started to talk about an ancestor, a grandmother who had passed away, and they said, oh, how wonderful she was because she lived in this little tiny house, and she didn't have, you know, hardly any money, and she struggled all her life, but she was depicted as a saint. And it quickly became real to me in my mind how this family was thinking, that mm. they perceived that having wealth was bad and that being poor was better, and that it was better to struggle all your life and have little than to have a lot. Now, the truth is the doctor that they spoke about was actually a very hardworking, kind, generous man, and had spent many years in med school to be able to make the money that he made, and he was spending the buying, his, his wealth was managed around how he could do things with his family and to offer a different opportunity for his family that he didn't have as a child. So their perception was completely off about the doctor, but I believe that was their, I, their, their judgment toward him was skewed by their family beliefs. And so when they put on those glasses or that perception of, it's, it's better to ha- be poor and it's bad to have wealth, and that led them to judge him inappropriately and inaccurately mostly, you know. Um, so, you know, you ask the question, you know, what do we do here to fix all of this? We really need to, you know, identify the programming and, and change it. And you asked for an example. In this example, it was very easy for me to see that my client had a belief that it's better to be poor, and no wonder he never could, rank, never could, you know, grow up in his business and receive the promotions he was looking for because he never thought at a deeper level that he should. He always thought he should be poor, and he. We tend to want to be loved, and this is a secret. You know, we tend to want to have the approval of our family more than anyone else because that programming early on to need their approval is significant because at some level we feel like we have to survive to have it, you know, which is true Mm -hmm. when we're little, you know, we have to kind of obey our parents and do what we need to do. And there's sort of that fear that we could get thrown out, you know, and then we wouldn't be able to survive. So that, that early programming to stick with the family pattern drives a lot of this. And could we change that? Yeah, we absolutely did. We just had to help him see that he didn't need his approval of his family that he, that he would still be loved. And even if they did judge him, he, he could decide that doesn't matter. That what he wanted um, was more for his family and what he desired to do and achieve in his career, that it was more important for him to be loyal to himself and to let go of people-pleasing, to mm-hmm. realize that it doesn't matter what other people think of you. It only matters what you think of yourself. And that's a very empowering thought. You know, I don't need to worry what others think of me. I only need to worry about what I, I think of myself and what I'm in alignment with my heart and mind and spirit to do and accomplish. And once he was free to do that and recognize he didn't need that approval anymore and that he could actually heal his family and provide more benefit to his family by showing them a new way, helping them to heal a judgment perhaps of um, wrongful judgment of another by making a shift himself, that he, you know, he would be better off. And he did do that. And I, you know, this was, I wrote the book in 2006. This story is some 15 years old now. And I'm happy to say I do know that that man has been able to go on and achieve greatness in his career and has set a better example for his family by breaking a family pattern of lack. Wow. Um, yeah. So lots of ways to, to do this in your family, whether it's money or 
marriage relationships or parenting, you know, or your own health. Um, there are lots of angles to, to come in at this and, and, to, and to heal so that, you know, ultimately we are more aligned with our divine, you know, sense of success and truth and light, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm a, I am just kind of put myself in uh, in this fellow's position, and uh, the judgments and expectations of your family are very, very powerful. Um, at least in my view, and they have a huge influence on you. And how how does a person get to a point where he can let go of those judgments? It's almost like there needs to become a uh, a tipping point in your life, or something traumatic, I guess, I, t- to make a person willing to do that. Well, we do like to stay with status quo, you know, um, in our families. And that's, you're absolutely right. I see a lot of people making big changes when things are just bad enough that they have to make a change, you know. Um, That or when they just personally have something inside of them burning that they want to do or be that causes them great sadness and depression if they can't do it, that they just get forced into that, you know, into making a change. You're right. There's usually something compelling that happens that draws someone to change up the status quo in a family. Um, And and I want to honor the many wonderful traditions and teachings that do get passed along in healthy families. Um, Absolutely. You know, if you come from a family that passes along love and acceptance and you know, um, abundance and thinking uh, of that's healthy, not not vanity, but you know, healthy, um, you know, unconditional love, and you feel that from your family, I mean, that's a gift that should be passed along. Um, Mm. It's just these others that are so destructive in our world, you know, that attach our value to things outside of ourselves and make us think we have to do or be something, you know, in order to be of value, the things that degrade our sense of self-worth and our soul. um, And, and then lead us into addiction or, um, you know, guilt and chronic self-regret. You know, those things <laughs> are definitely the ones that, you know, yes, if you're listening, shake the pot in your family. Don't wait till a crisis hits. I think anybody could decide one day, I'm going to fix my family issues without the world falling down to do that. You know, and I encourage that. I say, you can learn your lessons without, you know, having a trial or trauma if you just decide you're going to do it, you know, and, and get out of the status quo and, and make positive, healthy changes in your life. You did, and I believe everyone deserves that, regardless of where you came from, that we all deserve to be loved and to be good enough and to feel good enough and to feel deserving. Um, so definitely for all of those who are listening, you know, self-evaluate right now. Do you feel good about yourself? Do you feel that you can love yourself, that you can be good enough and that you can be deserving? Because if not, then, you know, Jump in and read the book. There's it's a five step process to to healing your family history. We have um, questions at the end of each chapter that self guide you through. It's very inexpensive. You can pick it up at Amazon anywhere around the world in many most languages, and dive in and teach your family to heal. It's a good effort. Yeah, great tool. Yes, yes. This is a call to action. <laughs> yeah, today is the day. Yeah, we're gonna take uh, a short break again. And just before we go there, uh, for the people who are local in our local area, we do have some classes coming up in February. So February 4th 
is the Yusui Reiki Level 2 class. And on February 18th, we have the Yusui Reiki Level 1 class. And that is also the day that we will be doing our Reiki Share, which is a free event. Everybody is welcome to attend. So keep those in mind. And we will see everybody on the other side of two minutes. is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Rebecca and Boyd have combined their years of experience and their twin flame connection to create powerful, transformational journeys through their classes, workshops, special events, and retreats. Join Rebecca and Boyd on your journey to deepen your connection with spirit and access divine intelligence. This allows healing, creates miracles, and manifests a life of joy and abundance in alignment with your highest good. Visit the classes page of sunderhealing.com and register today. Rebecca and Boyd have combined their years of experience to create a powerful and effective modality of healing. Each session is unique, tailored to your individual needs, and can be done in person or from any distance. Are you searching for your purpose, soul path, soulmate, or healing for mind, body, and spirit? Are you seeking relief from anxiety, depression, chronic illness, fatigue, or codependency? Book a healing session or receive a free email consultation today. Visit the services page at sundrahealing.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are listening to Awakened Hearts. To call in and connect to Rebecca and Boyd Campbell on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to hello at sundrahealing.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Everyone, we have Rebecca Hintzy with us today, and we are talking about uh, healing our family history. And just thinking where we left off before the break, um, what I wanted to ask you, Rebecca, Leo Tolstoy said, all happy families resemble one another. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Do you believe this is true? And if so, does every unhappy family, in fact, have some commonalities? 
Yes, I do believe that that is true um, for a number of reasons. One, um, there's a, a, a really well-known study that was published in Psychology Weekly that uh, looked at what the most common positive ingredient is in a happy family. So we're just looking at, you know, what makes a happy family. Yes, there's some characteristics of a happy family that are typical and that we can rely on. And, you know, when I ask this question in classes, a lot of times people respond and say, oh, I know what that is. It's good communication and, um, you know, it's love. And, you know, I'll hear these really great answers. Um, but it's interesting what was found to be the most common in, or ha- uh, the most important ingredient in a happy family, and that is kindness. It was, it was gentle, um, regular acts of kindness, which I think go along with love and all of that, um, that make a happy family. Um, so, you know, a thought for you, parents at home, you know, just little acts of, random acts of service, kind, gentle gestures on a consistent, regular basis can create a happy family. Now, interesting, if you reverse that and you look at common denominators that exist in dysfunctional families, you're going to see the opposite of that. You're going to see sarcasm. Um, you're going to see judgment. You're going to see a lot of verbal, you know, abuse and battering that goes on in, in families. And from that kind of a nest, you're going to have all kinds of dysfunction that result in that. So that's where your low self-worth comes out of. And once you create low self-worth in your families you're going to be apt to have anything go wrong. (laughs) You know, anything from abuse, addiction, and all the nasties, you know, are going to kind of come out of that. So I think you can, you know, make it fairly simple and just look at the concept of kindness and unkindness and decide where your family lies. And, you know, I, when my, when, you know, my kids are all grown now, and I'm, you know, raising, helping with grandchildren, and these, I'm not raising them, but being a grandmother to my grandchildren, um, I'm in a different space than I was when I first wrote this book. And in my early days of practice and, and writing, I did see um, on a lot of our television programs, especially those on some of the teen-type shows, this sort of chronic unkindness that happens between siblings where, you know, there's just sarcasm and rudeness and and somehow Hollywood seemed to make that acceptable and normal and yet you know that is some of the most damaging types of you know role modeling for our kids that that we could show them because it's not it's not good to be mean to your brother and sister you know it's not mm. good to to criticize and to not want to be with them or not spend want to spend time together um, and and while teenagers can be teenagers as parents, it's our job to teach those in our home environment um, how to be kind to one another, how to treat each other on a daily basis. And that, you know, gets modeled to children, too, from the way husbands and wives treat each other. So there's a lot of arguing and yelling and rudeness and unkind words that are shared between couples, and children will learn how to be in relationships, you know, from that role model. And not only that, you know, we learn to be parents from our parents. So we tend to go, Mm -hmm. we can learn a lot in school about how to be a good parent, but at the end of the day, we go back to that default setting, you know, and we're going to respond to crisis situations the way we saw our parents respond to them. We're going to treat our neighbor the way our parents treated their neighbor. And that's that default programming. So, you know, if I could, if I could beg, plead and, and shout from the rooftops, what do you need to do in your home today to help your families to work long-term? Just, it's simple. Be kind. Be kind. 
it's kind of funny that the Disney movie, the new Cinderella came out after that, that she said, you know, her big classic line from that was have courage and be kind, just brought tears to my eyes. I thought, yes, that mm. is the secret, you know, have courage yeah. and be kind. Yeah, break the cycle right there. When you yeah, do that. right there. Just that one simple thing, you know. And we have to remember, too, I, I tell my kids, it's sort of like if I went to a restaurant and got a beautiful, you know, wonderful salad, and my kids know I love, you know, a good, healthy salad, and yet there's a bug in the middle of it, you know, it just it ruins the whole thing for me, you know? And so you can ruin the whole thing at home by just some really awful things that you throw out, you know, in your verbiage to your kids. Um, and it can be beautiful, you know, and, and that doesn't mean there's not an ability to sort of, you know, in the Christian verbiage, repent, you know, to come back in and say you're sorry, but you need to say you're sorry and clean it up if you did, you know, because people remember and these things hurt and words can, words can kill, you know, and you want to get in and know how to teach that concept in your families where, we all make mistakes, and therefore we say we're sorry, and we learn to forgive, and we learn to clean up after ourselves, because it's probably not realistic for any of us to expect that we're always going to respond perfectly under all settings in our home, nor will our children. But if we can teach them that they should do the best they can, and then when they can't, and they make those mistakes, learn how to, to say they're sorry, and then teach the rest of the family how to forgive um, then we have this sort of cleanup process where, yeah, we get the beautiful salad at dinner, but there's a bug in it, so we know how to fix that, and we can still deliver the beautiful salad. And that process, to me, is that cleanup that comes from, you know, saying you're sorry and and seeking forgiveness and be, and then giving it, you know, learning how to forgive. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Rebecca, in the middle of your book, um, you talk about uh, gifts um, that we give to others and by believing in them. Um, you even speak of the impact of our negative thoughts we have on others, like and kind of what we're talking about here as well. Can you talk a bit more about the fact that if we see things we don't like in others, especially our children, we are actually seeing a mirror of things that we don't like in ourselves? Mm, yeah, that's one of the painful things that we have yeah. to kind of deal with sometimes. <laughs> You know, it's not, you know, always true, but I would say most of the time if somebody's pushing your buttons, I call it pushing your buttons, you know, mm. triggering yeah, some you. Are very, some people are very good at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you have to, you know, you can sit and we can get stewed up in a lot of fault finding and even lay up in bed at night and take away our precious sleep hours thinking about how we're right and they're wrong and how awful that was, you know. Um right. In fact, my family's favorite affirmation has become, I allow others to be wrong, you know. <laughs> so, um, mm. But when people do push our buttons on a regular basis, we have to ask ourselves, what, you know, what are they teaching me about me? What are they reflecting back to me? Because as Stephen Covey, my, he wrote the foreword to the book, um, Healing Your Family History, and um, he's one of my role models, one of the, you know, famous psychologists and influential, you know, men in our world. He's no longer around, mm-hmm. but wrote so many books that are well-read. He has a quote from one of them that says, when a man opens his mouth to speak, he in essence describes himself. That is his perception. So we have to recognize that when people drive us crazy, you know, that's our perception and it's showing us a reflection of ourself. And we get to take that home to ourselves to look at and, and break that up. And I have in my 
certification course I teach right now, we do have uh, participants writing out, you know, the person who drives them the most crazy that they don't want to be like. And then we ask the question, okay, in what ways are you like that person? You know, in what ways Mm. are you the same person they are, you know, and then how can that information lead you to change? And it's an uncomfortable thing sometimes to have to say, well, I'm not like them. I hate them, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a pretty heavy word, but I hear that, you know, I hate them. I don't, I don't like them. That's not, and I'm not like them. But when we can humbly look at that and say, well, wait, what could they be reflecting back to me? We actually take power back into our own hands. And if we live our life pointing fingers, expecting others to change for us to be happy, we're going to be miserable the rest of our lives because we only have power to change ourselves. We don't have power to change others. We'll find ourselves locked into relationships filled with control cycles that are unhealthy. If we sit pointing fingers the rest of our life, we can create anxiety and all kinds of, you know, neural pathways that contribute to stress in our own physical bodies. If we can't decide we're going to be the master of our own ship. And that means I'm going to look at, you know, whoever's bugging me and say, how am I like that person? I'm going to forgive them for the things that they've done because that sets me free. It's, it's not the weak man's job, but the strong man to say, I can let that go. And I'm going to look at myself, see how what you're teaching me in this negative button pushing moment I'm having and take that liquid gold and say, what can I change about me to make me happier? I'm going to forgive you and let you go. Literally forgive, give it back, and take that new information to make changes in myself so that I can be happy. Um, and why not? Why would I spend my life in misery when I could be happy? It's a question I have for me and for everyone who's listening. You know, Take the power back on our own hands by, by um, doing that type of humble self-evaluation. Mm, and I'm reminded, and I think it was Wayne in one of Wayne Dyer's book, he says, you know, whenever, you know, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Exactly. And yeah. it's amazing, though, sometimes you ask that question to yourself. And even though you know how ridiculous the answer sounds, you want to say, no, I want to be right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. So true. So... We are in the the final two minutes of the show. So, Rebecca, if you could sum up what it takes to heal your family history in just a few sentences, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, first you've got to decide you want to heal. Second, you've got to be willing to see yourself. And third, you have to be willing to love yourself and your family to heal. You've got to do both mm. and Really, you can't hate your family. You've got to love love your family to get better. Everything's about love. That's how we ultimately heal. Perfect. Beautiful. Well, we want to thank you so much for being on the show today, for sharing the space with us, Rebecca. Uh, yeah, truly thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much. Good luck with your, your wonderful show and the work that you do. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, same to you, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And to all of our listeners, uh, join us next week, same time, same place, to further awaken, grow, and expand on this amazing spiritual journey together. From our hearts to yours, namaste. namaste. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in this week to Awakened Hearts. Please join your hosts, Rebecca and Boyd Campbell, again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until our next show, have an enlightened week.